Alexa, spell Linux. Linux is spelled L I N U X. That's not bad. I'm not sure I could do that. <laughs> This is Linux Unplug episode 178 for January 3rd, 2017. Welcome to its unplugged. That's that's pretty close. Your weekly Linux talk show that's celebrating the New Year's with robots. My name is Chris. My name is Wes. I, I think I could do a better job than uh, the echo there. What do you think? You have had more practice than she. Has, <laughs> so, in fairness. Hello, everybody, and welcome back, and happy 2017. This is really Linux unplugged. No, I'm not even sure what she said. I don't even know if she. Nope. Could, no, no, nope. I don't. No idea. But uh, if you haven't guessed, later on in the show we'll be talking about securing the Internet of Things and how open source might be able to solve this particular problem and take something that's typically cloud-based and make it all local. What? Yeah, that's later on in the show. Plus, later on in the show we'll be getting our 2017 predictions from our virtual lug. Yeah. Getting all prepped and ready for this Sunday's Linux Action Show, the official predictions episode. Like, it's a big moment, Wes. That's a huge moment. This last week, we put it off to review Solus. I saw that, and it was just you like guys. we had to go that way. But uh, I got a couple of emails, and I think I got a, I got I can't remember if it was a tweet or a telegram. Somebody said, "I really missed the predictions episode." See, now the anticipation is and, building. <laughs> and then the other guys, I got an email said, "I had a bet going on your predictions, <laughs> and then you didn't do it." <laughs> so we're gonna get a little bit a little bit of that taken care of today. Not all of them. What, because what's your appetite? Yeah, we got to make room for some great open source project updates. I don't know. Maybe some of these open source developers got a little time off for the holidays and they banged they out some back code. Come fresh at it. I know that's how yeah. I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, check it out, guys, because in a little bit we're gonna have some great stories and and what I think could be a great trend for 2017. But first, let's bring in our virtual lug for the first time this year. Time appropriate greetings, Mumble Room. Time appropriate greetings. Happy New Year. Pep, pep. Hello, everybody. Hello. It is good to see you. And uh, I want to start out. Uh, start out. I want to start. Jesus. There's no way half this beer that you brought us could be hitting me that nope. fast. But I guess. By the way, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. West over there really, really outdid himself this week. He brought in Odin's gift. It's a gift for you. Which, come on. How can you? I can't ask for a better gift than Odin's gift. And uh, it's an amber ale brewed with juniper berries, which is, sounds a lot like Jupiter berries. It sure does, yeah. So you're really – you're just pushing all the buttons. Is it local too, Wes? Is it, is it a local brew? Tequila, Washington. <laughs> do, 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 do. Well done, sir. Well done. It is my pleasure. Well done. So I've, I've been talking about this since uh, the beginning of last year. feels a little weird to say. Yeah, and I, uh, I think I – think, gosh, I just I, – I don't mean to say I told you so. But I, I think maybe I told you so. I think you did. Uh, there are more and more people these days that are looking for an alternative to Mac OS, a special group of people. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like it's millions of users. I'm not right. going to pretend like Apple is going to fall apart because of how it's many people are switching to It's not your average designer or art person or whatever. Uh, but there are, there are those. Like uh, the fellow over at BitCannon, BitCannon.net, wrote up an awesome post. And here's why I say it's awesome because it's – It, is, it feels like it's from the perspective of a, an analytical engineer or somebody who's laying it all out there, uh, and it really breaks down the process from from the perspective of not not the Apple user that we we Linux users like to portray the the hipster with the tight jeans mm -hmm. and and uh, it, is it concerned about the image and the yeah 
This is this is someone who is smart and rational like yourself that chose a different path and is now using that same intellect that chose that path to evaluate other paths. Uh, and so he writes, I've used macOS since the public beta. I use it both at home and work. I've also run various Linux distributions in BSD since around 2000. So he's got some familiarity working with here, mostly using Ruby uh, and, and has had some experience with a PC that he built on the side. It's got an Intel like i7 running at 4 gigahertz with lots of RAM and SSD. And he put Arch on that, but he mostly just SSHs into that from the Mac box to do Ruby development. And it's way faster than the Mac box. But recently, he said there's been more and more appealing to, uh, more and more appeal to switching from, you know, switching away from the Mac. Uh, he says, I spent a fair bit of time pondering the appeal of the Switch. These are some of the benefits as I see them. Access to a regularly updated pro hardware. I'll give that a ding. Yep. Not restricted to Apple hardware that makes choices that I don't value, such as removing the escape key, removing all legacy ports, necessitating the use of dongles for everything. Although that may be our future regardless. I wonder. And prioritizing thinness and weight over everything else. Also, access to hardware that Apple doesn't make, such as two-in-one laptops, getting comfortable with alternatives before I'm forced to, the ability to inspect and contribute to the OS I use. Oh! And using an OS where developers are first-class citizens. Oh. Also, see stagnation of the Mac App Store. Drawbacks of switching. Time required to find replacements of the software I use, like Alfred OnePass uh, and Sketch. The lack of access to the iOS SDK, because he does maintain an app in the iOS Store. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Evaluated a bunch of different alternatives from Anagros and Arch and Budai and Elementary. It's really quite a good list. Yeah. Even Solus is on there, yeah. I see. Honorary mentions to give Deepin and Haiku and Redox. Here's kind of what he was looking for. Integrated, consistent experience, uh, good design, and simple, easy to use, high DPI support, which is underscored, and timely updates. Top pick is Fedora. Actually, really top pick, he says, all three top picks were GNOME-based. Fedora, Arch, Straight, and Elementary, which is not actually GNOME 3. Um, which is his favorite right now. This is elementary is what he's going with. Human interface guidelines, which are a plus in his opinion. Native programming language, or at least a primary focus. Vala, uh, not Python. And um, that's it. That's what he says. A model for funding ongoing development, bug bounties, Patreon, asking for payment when downloading. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I could see why that would. Absolutely, especially be from the professional developer yeah. angle, someone who's used to you know maybe he had paid for OSX updates back when that was the thing. Could be a, and you know, and there are a lot of like if you have an app, especially in that OSX ecosystem, a lot of the really good apps you you pay for, but you you know you value them. Yeah, just thinking about it, it really does matter to me that the distro I'm using maybe has a full time developer too on it. If right. I'm using a full on curated distro, right? Let's get Ike funded so we can do this full time. Oh. I don't think he does it full time, right? That's a really good question. I'm not uh, sure. also uh, about that. Designers as well as developers are on the team. He likes that they have a design angle, and then he just sort of wraps it up. My ideal would be elementary on top of free BSD. <laughs> Only your ideal, man. He says, next I plan to resize the Arch partition on my work PC and install elementary alongside. I'll aim to do all of my work duties on that machine and post how it goes. So I have a link in, his, in the show notes if you want to follow the blog as, as he goes along. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this is because we could, we could sit here and we could talk about Michael Dominic from Coder Radio mm-hmm. or Leo Laporte or... Uh, uh, or 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 Bit Cannon. I mean, there's so many. Yep. There's those are so many examples. Those are three examples of so many. What I believe represents so many other people. They're doing the same evaluation. And I'm not doing this to to, to harp on the MacBook. I don't really give a crap about that uh, anymore. It just I think it's 
I think this I think this I think there is a new reality mm-hmm. and that new reality is there is a there is an area of the market that Apple's decided is no longer worth their investment to target based on the overall importance of the Mac mm-hmm. to the Apple overall profit their whole ecosystem yeah, yeah. Uh, and those people that are realizing that are looking for something else and they don't want to go to Windows they really don't at, at Windows 10 the, the thing is is this is hitting I believe this is hitting when the Windows 10 hype train is stopped right it, right. People at this point feel like it's a fine version of Windows. Maybe it's one of the better ones. Um, but there are probably still a lot of Mac users, especially who aren't ready to go back. You know, they left. They probably left or they've been using it a long enough time. And Well, here's the thing about Windows 10. All the things you, that drove you crazy about Windows still exist. Yes. The crazy nightmare of downloading setup.exe to install your drivers, the crazy high DPI support that is totally non-existent, the mishmash of interfaces, the 10 different ways to set your power management settings – all of these – the integration of market trend of the year when they release the OS, that is so obnoxious. Like the Cortana features, give me a break. Yep. Like, well, and I think there's a difference. Like the win- Windows can produce these sorts of Windows power users that I think we've talked a lot about switching to Linux in the past. And they're the kind of people that, that know that, right? Like they understand that there's going to be three different menus to configure things. They know how to go deep. They know how to do the, the reg edit. That doesn't really exist in OSX to the same degree, whereas these people are looking at OSX I, I, as like a – this was their functional computer. I think it's interesting because I think, I think a class of these people are probably on MacBooks and using macOS because their taste, which they would probably classify as discerning, would uh, – <laughs> right? Would, would sort of compel them to go that direction. There's not a lot except for some of the more popular newer distributions that I think that that meet the level of – "Quote unquote discerning tastes of a Mac user, and I'm not trying to be combative, but it, it I think you, it conveys the image. Like there is a certain standard they're going for in yeah. terms of quality and consistency. consistency is and elementary OS is sort of unique. Solus is also pretty great in that mm-hmm. way. Um, and GNOME 3 desktop in general is the best generally available desktop yep. that I think I honestly believe out of the box is con- is the is the most consistent. And there's something about that, like. Uh... I mean, obviously, we've talked a lot about Plasma 5 and how great it is, but there's something about the, the simplicity of also, GNOME that matches more with the Also, Mac. bear in mind, too, that he's specifically requiring high DPI, yeah. which sort of focuses uh, – Plasma's good. Plasma's great, actually. Plasma is still slightly inconsistent on high DPI right. compared to GNOME 3. And yeah, it's really GNOME 3's ballpark right now. Yeah. GTK 3. GTK 3, yeah. Uh, so I, I, I think it's sort of a fascinating trend that is going to increase in 2017. And it's why I just wanted to cover it at the top here because this is sort of what this episode's about is these types of things. Mr. Jude, you have a point. Yeah. I, <clears throat> a lot of the people that I know that use MacBooks, it was not so much about the window manager and stuff, but yeah. the apps. The apps and the fact that it has a shell, I need, right? I need my email that's going to be reliable and I want my browser. It's always going to work. Yeah, yeah. You know? Both Chromium and Firefox under open source operating systems are sometimes a bit not perfect. Whereas, well, especially in back previous in the versions day. of macOS, you could rely on the OS not to crash and your apps to work. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. actually not as true anymore. It's not just the hardware that Apple has fallen down on, but the fact that NFS in the latest version of OS X will crash if you try to connect to things. Right, right. And, you know, to that and, point. And also just. People are having troubles with even just the web browser and email not working properly. To that point, there was a release of macOS where I can't remember what the reason was. I think it was a licensing issue. They just ripped out Samba and implemented their own. Oh, right. That was pretty recently. Yeah, yeah their own SMB client. And it just is absolute shit. It's shit. It's bad, bad, bad. 
and uh, it's gotten better now in previous in in, in, mm-hmm. in successive releases, concessive releases. But it just was awful back then, and it was just an example of something that just didn't really care for pro users. They wouldn't, they wouldn't. They and wouldn't. it's another where you know maybe you have these skills you've used. SIFs on other servers, and now maybe the Mac implementation is different for perhaps no good reason. I think too, and Alan, I wonder if you agree. Do you think that some of it has to do with just more people shifting workload into the web browser, or do you think it's still more about the native apps? Um, I think it's a little bit less about native apps now, uh, but I think what we need to look at from this is actually getting back to the idea of the reason any development happens in open source is developers scratching their own itch. So this might be the golden opportunity to get more developers back to using Linux or BSD and refining that desktop experience to make it good enough for them. Uh, whereas before, it was not quite good enough to drive them to get to go with the Mac instead. Yeah, sort of critical mass thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Before I go any further, I should mention, Alan reminded me, I should plug it right now, that you can join Alan and I for our last TechSnap episode 300 this Thursday. At uh, one o'clock JB time, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And then the show goes on with Mr. Wes and Dan. Uh, so, yeah, I should mention that since Alan's here. If you're listening, you can join us for that. And thanks for joining us, Alan. Yeah, Alan's good yes, to hear uh, I just got back from the dentist and had nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, hang out with those Linux guys. That's our audience, folks. <laughs> God, Alan. I love it. I love it. Well, you just also happen to be uh, talking about a topic that's uh, been of interest to me lately because. I've seen a bunch of people I've known as hardcore Mac users for, you know, five or ten years more. Yeah, being like, well, they took away my escape key, so I bought a Lenovo. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, I we just had somebody in the chat room that just said that basically. <laughs> in fact, he said it. I, who was it? Uh, I just yeah, DeBill. Are you in the mumble room, DeBill? No, I don't see him in the mumble. DeBill said that uh, he replaced his MacBook at work for a three-year-old Lenovo with Linux because he got tired of it crashing. Uh, and all those kinds of things. And I think that's the the main reason so many Linux and BSD developers went with a Mac is because they were having these consistency and polish problems on the open source OS. And a lot of that has gotten better, although a lot of it is not. Uh, you know, the other the, the thing that we haven't really caught up on is uh, the lightness of the hardware. Although, like the X1 Carbon from Lenovo is nice and light and is getting there, but you know, reliable suspend resume and battery life. The Mac has always been way ahead there, but maybe this will be the push to actually make people spend time on making mm-hmm. that happen. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, and I've I noticed I think specifically Solus and maybe Elementary OS too have done something to make standby really fast and reliable on those distros because like it's with those distros my benchmark is is this is the password prompt on my screen by the time I've finished lifting the lid. There you go. Yeah, and those meet that benchmark, and that's as fast as I could possibly ask for. Uh, but then there's other desktops where it does. So what? And before, okay. So Wes just closed his laptop. What login manager are you using on that? Do you know? GDM. Okay. All right. Because so I think that seems to make a difference. All right. Fire it up. And All right. Not quite. About a half second after. After the screen was up, yeah. which is usable. It was usable, but it's not as fast as a MacBook, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, but see, what the Mac is cheating by not doing things like erasing the full disk encryption password for <laughs> right. RAM yes, before right. spending. Right. We covered that in last week's TechSnap. It turns out that yeah. it's just sitting there in plain text in the RAM, just hanging out, just chilling. The password. And if you plug into the Thunderbolt, you can DMA and, yep. and extract Ooh, yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, so just wait. So plug into the Thunderbolt port, lift the Mac lid, grab the RAM contents. There's the password. You don't have to, you don't have to crack nothing. It's this, and there's little Done. devices, you know. You just The Thunderbolt stuff is going to be, and USB-C is... 
That's what's going to be crazy about them. And we should move on. But with the MacBook specifically, with those USB-C ports uh, being Thunderbolt in reality, I mean, that's right there on the bus. Yep. I wonder if that's going to become an, a security issue. It's going to have to be a... Solus is using LightDM. Well, damn, I don't know. What, I don't know what to tell you. Although I don't know if LightDM is specifically fa- specifically faster or slower. I just have a lot of experience with GDM. Yeah. Speaking of Solus, just really quick, uh, since we just put out our review, they have an update. We reviewed them on Sunday, yep. and that afternoon they put out uh, an update. So I just thought I'd mention it really quick because it's sort of the distribution that I'm all excited about at the moment because that's what I just installed on my machine. I, got, I still have it sitting right here, and uh, I just checked and I got every, all the updates installed. Nice. There's just a few general improvements, including a bump to the NVIDIA driver. Uh, the new version of Software Center version 15 has gone out, which includes updates and new app apps that I probably would have mentioned in our review if they were <laughs> if they were in there at the time. Uh, and I guess they now are – this is like the last version of the Budgie desktop that's going out before they focus on Budgie 11, which is what a lot of the users are excited about. Also, I should mention – the Mate edition has uh, been updated, and uh, it's got uh, the new Brisk menu in it, which uh, we covered That's in right. like, two weeks ago, I think yeah. it was. That's uh, going to be exciting to watch. It shipped. The first version of the Brisk menu is already – gosh, that was fast. That was really fast. It was fast. like we were just like – it was just a, a kind of a dream, you know? Yeah. Kind, kind of – it was on the pipeline, now but it's, now it's here. Now we just start the clock to see how long it shows up in other distributions because that thing's going to take off. That's that's for sure going to. Just as off. a quick comment, like just looking at that little snapshot overview, like you said, like that you know they do snapshots pretty regularly, but like there is a lot of stuff in there. It's yeah, so clear I, how much is going on. I know, in this project. I know. I'm I I don't. I feel conflicted because I feel like I could take up a half hour covering it actually. To be honest with mm-hmm. you, um, but I don't feel like that probably would be the best use of all of the audience's time. Right. But if you're interested, go check it out. Go try it. But there is a lot. There is a lot in there for just a quick update. Yeah. So the momentum, the momentum is high with Keep this it one, up, guys. Also, uh, it looks like kernel four eight dot fifteen, as well as thirteen oh two OpenGL. I don't even. I didn't even. Wow. I don't follow OpenGL at all anymore. What I care. What I honestly was more curious and uh, watch closer is the NVIDIA driver versions because i do like to have the later versions of that mm-hmm. so good job to the solace project so wes you and i were chatting about this before the show today this is kind of a nice thing for nexus 5 phone owners now that google has stopped updating it right didn't they stop updating it yes they did no <laughs> seven for us <laughs> and then i think uh this year the 6p and the 5x lose support they will they still get security updates though Oh, oh, okay. Ah, okay. That's they good. just don't get the new hotness okay yep boy that's pretty it's just those i mean they almost feel still new yeah, I guess security updates is not the end of the world. No, it's how, you know, how long do they get the security updates for? Do you know? I want to say like a full year. Okay. Okay, so you get like two years probably from now if you have a 5X or a 6P. That's reasonable. Exactly. I feel like the 6P should get another year yeah, of – it does feel like it was – you know, it, that was an expensive it phone. It was the last phone. <laughs> yeah, it was the last the phone. Nexus 6? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's one year My newer. Nexus 6 is getting 7 and so on. No, it's not, it shouldn't be. I, I have the – Seven update pending. I just have to press the button. Mm. Do you not get seven point one? I you might no not idea. get seven point one. Mm. Oh, that would be yeah. that would be some real shit. Put no. you on the point. Yeah. Put put you on the. the but po- you don't get the the thing where we ironed out the yeah. The <laughs> That's the worst. I just don't know about that. And of course, it, so if this is this is a real thing. This is a real problem. And this is where I think things like lineage or or Ubuntu Touch have some real promise. The Nexus ah. 5 is now fully working with Ubuntu Phone. Wow. So if you've got a Nexus 5, it's all – you can go all in. Uh, this is uh, – we've talked about uh, Maurice's uh, cool software that he created in the past that allows you to flash these devices super easy. 
So this is he's been working on. He's also got an unofficial port for the Fairphone too, which is becoming fully working, which is awesome. Hey, cool. Yeah, I guess GPS still is not working, but other otherwise it's fully working. Wow. Uh, Nexus Five though, all in. It looks like uh, it's working also on the One Plus One uh, Ubuntu Touch port. Still some stabilization improvements that need to happen there though. But wow. In fact, uh, the developer, Maurice, is using a Nexus 5 running Ubuntu Touch as his daily driver. He even connects it to HDMI and gets the convergence stuff. Wow. Yeah, so it's full-on Nexus 5 with convergence, while Google's not even updating it anymore. Nope. Like, I mean, that kind of makes me curious. Like, I I'm, I have one kicking around still, so I'll definitely try it on there. Yeah. But, like, uh, my mom's using a Nexus 5 still, and it makes me, like, yeah. maybe I'm better off just flashing it with Ubuntu. She doesn't need a whole bunch of, you know, Android apps, so right. would that be a more secure, maintainable I thing? I think it would. Yeah. Uh, and it would be really interesting to see that that type of user's perspective. Also, so if you check the show notes, you can get the uh, our link to the article, but you can also just go to ubports.com, uh, ubports.com, and learn more, which... Interestingly enough, it's powered by DigitalOcean. Oh, DigitalOcean.com is our first sponsor this week. You know, DigitalOcean's awesome like that. They're not just, it's not just that open source project they're hooking up. UbiPorts is one of them. Uh, I think they also uh, do support for uh, elementary OS's back end. They're uh, yeah, watching elementary OS's back end. Yeah, you bet. Oh, yeah, you bet it. You bet it. You better believe it. They know uh, the movers and shakers. There's a few different distributions out there that are, that are supplying infrastructure for. And remember that time Wimpy was on the show working on his uh, releasing a version of Ubuntu Mate? He was running on DigitalOcean servers. Right. There's a reason why everybody's picking this as their infrastructure. It is so, so easy to get started, so quick to get started, and it's damn reliable. And it's super fast. DigitalOcean.com. Use our promo code DOUnplugged. One word. You apply it to your account. You get a $10 credit. Now, what's great about DigitalOcean is this super simple interface. It's, it is it is like if, if you were going to ask for the best interface to manage virtual machines and data centers all over the world that use KVM for the virtualizer, Linux for the back end, and SSD for storage, and then you want to do like templates and snapshots and have an API and multiple distributions, including FreeBSD to choose from – you honestly would not come up with a better idea. Nope. In fact, it's the gold standard. And you know, you've probably used some of those other cloud providers' interfaces. Oh, we have I'm to sorry. configure like five or six things oh. before you've even spun up a VM. Oh. That is not how it works at Dio. Those those are like designed in the '90s. I swear to. I sw- or they just scream enterprise. I swear to Linus. Thing. I swear to Linus. Those were those were created in the '90s. This is modern stuff. But what I think is truly awesome about DigitalOcean is I've been sitting here raving about that UI. I think that whole UI runs on their API. That's why the API is so good. It's they super did it good. right. And it also explains why it's simple and straightforward because they got to work with it themselves. Yeah, right. Like, I don't want to I don't want to pay that's an ass, right? No. It's awesome. They got 40 gigabit e connections into the hypervisors. They got data centers all over the world. They have team accounts, they have hourly pricing. You can run fantastic rigs with 2 gigs of RAM, 2 core processor, 40 gigabyte SSD, 3 terabytes of transfer for 3 cents an hour. What? What? Yeah, three cents an hour. I know. Develop locally and then deploy globally. This is a really, really slick system because you could spin up a rig when you need it. So you could be working in a Docker container. You could be working in a VM. You could be working in a jail for all I care. I don't care what you're doing. Maybe you're just running in the directory in your opt folder. I'm not going to judge because when you're ready, you publish it up to DigitalOcean. You start testing on it. You get a bunch of users banging on it. It's so easy to manage the DNS. Set up your SSH keys. You're going to be doing it at a boss level. DigitalOcean.com. Be like UbiPorts.com and become a DigitalOcean customer. Just use our promo code DOUnplugged. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring. 
the Unplugged program, and happy 2017 to DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code DOUNPLUGGED. So, Wes, do you have any interest in the Firefox inaugural consensus results? Oh, yeah. That sounds interesting, actually. Yeah, I'm kind of curious who finds themselves a Firefox user these days. And I didn't even know they did this. I didn't know that either. I mean, so, it makes sense when you – I mean, you probably need that to help help grow in the right direction. So from the fire oh, – here we go. This is making This is making me concerned. From the Firefox Department of Whimsy, we get this report. This is – this could be a bad – you know – I'm going to save it. You know what? I'll save judgment. Maybe I'm – Let's see what's happening. Because I was about to talk about having too much money and people sitting around with time on their hands. But no, I'm not going to get in there. So let's keep going. I mean you need at least two people making up department names, Chris. That's just – that's how any organization works. That's true. All right. You're yeah, right. All right. So let's talk about it. So 78 uh, percent of their survey takers were between 18 and 34 years old or 55 plus. 80 uh, percent use a PC. 12 percent use a Mac. And 6.8% use GNU slash Linux. Okay. GNU slash Linux. However, a bunch of the Linux users bitched that uh, I actually also run Windows a lot, so I sort of voted Windows, but I still have a Linux machine I run. So you should have had multi-OS. Don't peg me. That's That was in there. I don't know I don't know what that means, but that, that's, that was in there. Next time, just pick Linux, guys. Just pick, yeah. No one cares that I you know. also run Windows. I know. That's what I was thinking when I read that. Like, that's not that hard of it. They choice. even, they even, so, uh, by the way, anyway, I won't get it. They talk about the blog. <laughs> Speaking of our Linux folk, we found they tend to speak more languages than other OS users. 58% of Linux users speak more than one language, compared to 38% for Mac and Windows users. So more, more, more that makes sense. Linux is, you know, we're, those, it feels like Mac OS and Windows develop for English first mm-hmm. and then, right. And then, but there's other places of the world where the people are developing their own native language. For open source, so and they can just run it on their desktop. A couple other things I thought were interesting: uh, likes for Firefox users, cooking. At least sixty-six percent are good cooks, even if they don't like doing it. Fall is the favorite season by thirty-two percent, sixteen percent for winter. Oh, and Star Wars beat Star Trek. It was a close call. Star Wars got fifty-four point six percent. Star Wars got on this article. Yeah, forty-five point four percent. I know. Turf wars, dislikes. Uh, most actors who have played Spider-Man. Fifty-six <laughs> percent chose no over Tobey Maguire. Hmm. Uh, bungee jumping. Sixty-seven percent haven't been bungee jumping. Twenty-six say they never would. Online dating they don't like. Seventy-nine percent have never tried it. Nine percent said yes they've tried it, but it's a horror show. Firefox sends their condolences. Um, the world. Oh, here's another thing: Firefox users dislike the word jowls. But fifty-one percent said it's their least favorite word over synergy, fluid, and moist. That's a common one. Moist. Yeah. That's, fluid, though. Come on, fluid's a fun word and concept. I don't. I, I if I could, if people didn't mind me swearing on this show, I would be swearing about this. This is what they spend their time and money on. I mean, I, they probably didn't spend a lot of time and money on it, but still, I was hoping for like fifty-six percent of Firefox users want multi-processing. Yes. Ten percent of right. Firefox users know what sandbox tabs are. That's what I was hoping for. The things that people are excited about. I mean, like, I've been using Firefox at work, and I'm always pleasantly surprised that when I have a tab open and I try to open a new tab to go to that same URL, it just pops me back to my current tab. These are things that I like about Firefox, but I don't, there's not, the survey does not tell me about that. Oh, man. Oh, too bad Alan had to go because this next one would be such a good update for him. I should pick up the pace. I feel like we're dragging. Should I pick up the pace? Let's do it. All right. So we'll just go through this really quick. Uh, Huge, 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 huge story, everybody. Linux.com 
how Facebook uses Linux and ButterFS. Oh, man. Whoa. This is going to be great. Finally. Finally. We've been waiting for this. Finally, that pro argument that all ButterFS users always throw in my face when I say ButterFS is garbage and we should abandon it. Every, well, but Chris, but Chris, Chris, Facebook. Facebook uses it on their servers, Chris. Chris. Are you better than Facebook? Chris? Actually, Chris, actually, well, actually, well, actually, Chris, Facebook uses ButterFS. That's, that's what I get. Every time I get that. You've seen it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. So we have an actually. interview. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We have an interview with not just somebody who works at Facebook in the server department. Turns out to also be a lead developer of ButterFS. So this guy, pretty familiar with the product. So let's go with what he says. So we're going to get... Now, this whole article is framed around how Facebook uses ButterFS, but in reality, I love you, Swampy, but it's only two questions in an entire article. Mm -hmm. It's not about this at all. Uh, But so, Swampy asks, ButterFS has been in development for a long time. Is it ready for prime time? I know some distributions are using it as a default file system, while others don't. So the question is, is ButterFS ready for prime time? It's right there. Is it ready? The direct quote is, is it ready for prime time? Chris Mason's answer, it's certainly the default in SUSE. Pretty uh, pretty strong answer there. And then he goes on talking about SUSE and how SUSE uses it. And then he says, Red Hat hasn't picked it up in the same way. Okay. Yep. Okay, next question. What are the areas where ButterFS makes more sense? If I'm not wrong, Facebook also uses ButterFS? Here's... Here's all of the millions of deployments that Facebook has. Where here, It just has a couple of qualifiers. Uh, inside of Facebook, again, we pick targeted places where we think the features of ButterFS are really beneficial to the workloads at hand. The big areas we're trying to focus on are system management tasks, the snapshotting type of things. In other words, they run it on a tiny fraction of their systems where that specific workload makes sense for ButterFS. Yep. So when you hear Facebook runs ButterFS, they run it on some of their servers. And then it's for things like, okay, well, you have snapshots for your root file system. You can do rollbacks, that kind of thing. But it's not it's not their uh, giant storage cluster, right? He also goes on to say that they use Gluster and XFS and that they're all pretty much Linux uh, and that they don't really use ButterFS outside of management tasks around distributing around operating systems and updates by snapshotting features. And they like checksumming features, so they think ButterFS, and I agree, yeah. has some snapshots, checksums, copy on write, all things I would love, sub-volumes, all yes. things I would love to Those see. Those are legitimate uses. I, I, it's not that I don't like ButterFS. I, I don't, actually, that's not true. I don't like ButterFS. It's a bad product. It's got a bad brand. It's, nobody's, nobody's deploying it seriously. And unfortunately, it's, it's, just, it's, 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 just, it's a jalopy. Everybody knows it, unfortunately. I wish it wasn't yeah. because the world needs ButterFS. Because ZFS isn't GPL. And I really think that's why XFS has been getting a ton of development in the last year and a half. Like the the development pace on XFS is skyrocketing. And I think it really is – like they're talking about adding copy on write support to ZFS. Or I'm sorry, XFS. Yes. And XFS. I really think XFS is trying to now fill that hole a little bit. And I think it kind of illustrates as well. Like I know some of the things people in the ZFS camp have talked about, you know, is ButterFS really wasn't designed in the way where, you know, stability, uh, production runnableness came first, where that wasn't going to lose your data. But I think it kind of highlights the the siloed nature sometimes of kernel development, where we do have this like thriving XFS community where it's very much trusted in production, and they're going to add some features, but they're not, they're going to do it in a way where they ensure they don't break compatibility. They're not going to break your file system. 
William, so, William, oh, go ahead. So just, it looks like in here, from what he said, pretty much all uh, all Linux, the places we're targeting is ButterFS and really management uh, around tasks and distributing the operating system. This pretty much means if we have a server, the operating system is going to be installed on ButterFS. I didn't read it that way. I do get that. I, I that see what way. you're saying. But see what he says, when he says here, where they have targeted specific work environments, that to me yes. means that's yes, not all of their systems. You will want the operating system to be using ButterFS and have snapshotting and all that kind of stuff. No, I but think you don't what need they're... all of the application that they have on top, which is Facebook or whatever the database is or whatever it's the program, needs to be on the same file system because that will actually make sense. It's not needed for that. So it's targeted of environment. doesn't mean that the whole environment doesn't actually compensate or encompasses ah, that okay. part. All right. Okay. Fine. Uh, all right. So, uh, William, we're, when usually we're talking about file systems, this is usually what I like to check in with you because uh, you always you always tantalize me with uh, uh, I can't remember the name of it right now, but it's BcacheFS. It, yes, think, thank you. Yes, it is. Yeah. It is. How, how can I? Can we get a little BcacheFS update? How's it going? So, development's still progressing at a pretty smooth pace. Um, encryption still hasn't landed, but there's a branch for it. Uh, a lot of work has been focusing on performance and stability recently. In just the feature set that is there so far. Those are good things. Unfortunately, we don't have snapshotting yet, but checksumming works, and he's also working on multi-tiering and replication and those sorts of like multi-device type features. Hmm. Hmm. Now, is okay. Is there no there is there no work being done right now on Extended Five? Is that a thing? I guess. I guess that's. I think that's a pipe dream. Yeah. Hmm. All also, right. I don't really see why you would want to port the X four. Code base forward to add those type of features because it's a mess. Right, it's probably better to do the <laughs> kind of clean room implementation. Super quick mention because I said I wanted to pick up the base. Uh, Cody, love it. Hey, one of our favorites. Seventeen is just around the corner. RC two is out as we record this. Not much of difference between RC two and RC one. So if you're on RC one, don't worry. Uh, but I just wanted to give it a quick mention because it is coming down the pipe soon. And if you're if you're if you have a Cody box, you can test on. They could probably use the help because this is a huge release. The new theme is really what the headline feature is. The new default theme, which does look super good. Yeah, it, you does see look, that it does look really nice. That looks really slick. Uh, but tons of new backend stuff. New way. I mean, like everything from the PVR stuff to the video decoding stuff. Add-on manager changes. All of that is is worth talking. Is uh, Mr. Tunnell still in there? Mr. Tunnell, Rodden, uh, Michael, do you have any Cody thoughts before you? You're, you're usually uh, following Cody pretty closely. You have any Cody seventeen uh, thoughts, or as uh, somebody who has a few add-ons on sixteen, are there things maybe I'll have to worry about for seventeen? Do you know any of the? Are you hip to any of that? Yeah, there's a there's a lot of differences in, in sixteen and seventeen. Mostly, um, they're mostly like appearance things. Like the Krypton changes a lot of stuff for. The way the, the the theme is going to change, so it's actually changing a lot of the way the interfaces for all the different applic- add-ons work. Oh wow! So like it, it's mostly you know transparent. You don't have to do that much, but there are some add-ons that require rewrites. Uh, but oh, overall, it's okay. not a, it's not a bad thing. It's more like they got a lot of extra features they can utilize. Right. Oh. Uh, what I think it's great is the uh, the LibreOffice, uh, not LibreOffice. Why did I say that? LibreOlec. Oh, okay. Is that that the fork of LibreOlec is really fast-paced development with Cody. So, like, Krypton's not even out, and LibreElect already has builds for the Krypton version. So, like, the alpha builds and the beta builds are already there, whereas OpenElect um, doesn't even have one yet. So it's really something I would suggest people look at if they're looking at using okay. Cody. So uh, I'm going to put a I'm going to put a link to this in the show notes if you guys want it. It's uh, LibreElect.tv 
And they, their tagline is just enough OS for Cody. So this is something you install, gets you a base Cody box, like an appliance level OS that gets uh, fairly close, that tracks the Cody development fairly closely. So that's pretty cool. Libre Elect over Open Elect. I might check that out. Thank you, sir. That's cool. I'm dropping that in the show notes right now. 17 is, I can't wait till it Oh, I know. I can't I've been wait just it gets continuously out. impressed with Cody. I'm using it all on the places you can use it. I'm using it on the Android TV. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm using it on the. I have um, not tried it on Android yet. Super good. It's super, super. I can't. It's like it's got to be the one of the best Android applications, ever. It's just so. Wow. It's like everything you want from Cody in an app. It's it's so so. I mean, like I'm sitting there browsing Samba shares on an Android app. It's just totally mind blowing without having to go tab out to some other app no. or you know any of that. Yeah, yeah. it's so great. Wow, it, and it can browse my local file system too, which is good because I got a mm-hmm. hard drive in that thing. Ah, I tell you what, I just I really love it on there, and it's such a it's such a true appliance at that at that level. Like we just unplug it from the wall sometimes, and it's just no big deal. It's so awesome. That's that's amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I did an episode on it of Linux Action Show for you guys. Um, here, Thunderbird development. So this is a question that came in from Kapi in the subreddit, and he asks, "Has anyone tried out Zimber Desktop as a replacement for Thunderbird? Because he's worried about it dropping off." Yep. And uh, Zimber Desktop, or well, if you like Outlook, you'll like Zimber Desktop. <laughs> uh, it, that's kind of being harsh. It's, it's better than Outlook, I guess. But ugh. what does that even say? I want to check in with you. Are you still using LASN one as your email client? I've kind of fallen off with N one. <gasps> yeah, I, I was using it for a while, and I was enjoying it, and I liked it. Um, but I didn't find myself using any of the pro features. I don't really. I mean, I send emails, right? And I receive emails mostly, but I don't. I don't need enough. Um, at work, we have uh, 365, so I end up using the web interface for that anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was enough to kind of keep things in the web interface. That said, uh, I still think it's a good project. I'm excited for what they've done. I like the way they develop things. Uh, I just don't know if I have enough of a use case. Uh, if anybody in the mobile room has thoughts on a, on their favorite awesome mail client, uh, tag me in the chat room. But I'll tell you, I'm I'm still using uh, N1. Um, what are your thoughts? I, I'm I, it's it's become invaluable. Like I, wow. not like I'd have to have it, right. but I definitely like when I when I like when I installed Solus, I was like, oh god, can, can I get N one? Oh, I can. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I really like about it is two things. I super like the fact that I can snooze emails and I can say, yes. alert me about this email yes. tomorrow at six p.m. That is such a nice feature because it helps me get away from leaving like the marked as unread. Because like that for, gets messy so like, fast. You, oh my god, dude! I've got like I, I wonder if it says on my phone if I. If I if I pull up the mail icon, does it say how much how much freaking mail I have? I mean, it's just it is an unbelievable amount of unread mail I have at this very moment. And so using using the using what what used to be a great horrible system, I suppose, of just leaving messages as unread, and then if it was unread, then I knew I needed to follow up on it. <laughs> that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. You can't do that. Uh, not when you have like a ton of email to get to. So what it, like, being able to set a reminder like that is super useful because then just it like goes out of my in. inbox. Yeah. It clears out. So it looks like it's been cleared out of my inbox. Anything that can like reduce the complexity of what you have to do and can make it easy at a glance to just be like, this is what I need to deal with now. Later, I will check again and deal with what needs to be dealt with then. But the other thing I really like about it is this creepy feature that it has. Talking about the uh, red notifications? Yeah, which is like read receipts on a whole mm-hmm. new level. Do you have any idea how they're doing it? Like, I, I, I figure they're, I assume they're shipping like a little pixel or yeah, element inside there. There's something in the email, but it seems to work even with plain text emails. Oh, but I don't know if that's true. 
I guess maybe we'll everybody I email uses HTML mail, but it would have to be damn near everybody I email. So here's what it does. And it even it integrates in with GNOME's notifications. So it's, yes, it's that so part fun. is slick. So I send off an email to somebody. And when they read it, instead of getting like the traditional read receipt email that you get in your email box, I get a push notification to the email client, which shows up as a GNOME notification that Wes has read my email. And I get that every time Wes opens up my emails. And it turns out, and this is really valuable for me because I like to dive into email and get out for a while. And so I can tell if I'm having an active conversation with somebody because I can see that they're reading my emails and then I know if I need to stay present. Right. The other thing that's really great is if I leave N1 minimized in the background on like or, or running on like my second desktop and I'm on my main desktop, I will often see like, Wes has opened up your email, blah, 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 blah. Because what everybody seems to do in the entire world is instead of – they just – when they go to email somebody, they just open up the last email from them, hit reply, clear out the subject line, put a new subject line in, clear out the body, put a new body in and send the email. And so everybody <laughs> opens up my old emails before they send me a new email, at least a lot of people, not I'm obviously sure, not everybody. Sure. So I end up getting a notification like five, ten minutes that, hey, you're about to get an email from Wes. <laughs> so I keep an eye out. And it without fail, it always happens. Wow, like, actually, that is, that's pretty handy. It is very handy because otherwise, once I'm out, I'm done. Like, yeah. I might, it might be days until I open up my email When you could again. have, like, finally, you know, you could have solved that thing or come to a resolution with the question you yes. had right there. So that turns out to be a very super creepy great feature. Well, maybe I'll have to give it another try. So that combined with... Uh, the the delay that the way you can snooze emails um, and the overall UI is nice. I mean, it's an Electron app, mm-hmm. but it's probably one of the best Electron apps. Yeah, I've ever I mean, used. I, didn't, I never found it to be slow yeah. or anything. And like I don't that. mind that it has a pay structure. I'm glad the company's going to be around, and they still allow you to host your own server, which works fine on DigitalOcean. So I'm happy. Yeah, I totally disagree with that. What's I that? Would just never want that feature ever, what, ever, the, the ever. Creep, for, the, the creepy tracking? Yes, yes. Yeah. Please, no, please. <laughs> Make sure they don't email clip. It's the if, worst. If, if, I want, if I want to have that type of knowledge about people be, uh, being about to text me, I would use an instance messaging yeah, service. Yeah. There's plenty out there already. Oh, I should make also, another one if you're listening to this, by the way. I should also say it has pretty great uh, GPG integration, too. Like, it's it beats even, like, a... Um, Enig- Enigma or whatever. What's the Thunderbird extension? That's really- yeah, Enigma. There's yeah. also the well, Enigma. It's okay. good. It's fine. Yeah, it is. But- I like Enigma a lot, so yes. I'm not trying to disparage it because I also like that it has good. Made it easy, and it came out quickly on the time that FSF was trying to put cash on the fears because of the revelations and stuff. Yeah. So it- it kind of does the work. But you know what? Yes. Uh, I, so I just wanted to get it out there for Kipi because N1 might be something if you're willing to host your own server or willing to let them host it for you because it does require that server-side component. Right. And that's how, like, the tracking works but also, like, sending notifications to your desktop. The other thing that's really great about it is that that intermediary server seems – if you're it, – it, it just gets really shitty when you get a lot of email and sometimes like red doesn't red status doesn't get synced correctly through IMAP and stuff like that. It it's just a pain in the butt and the N one doesn't client doesn't seem to have those yeah. issues. So I, I like that a lot about it too. So there you go, Kapi. That's that's my answer to your uh, Thunderbird question. Now before we go any further in the show, we really got to get to the predictions. We got to get to the predictions. That's the whole point that's, of the show. That's got to be where we're going. So uh, let's talk about Ting. That's our next sponsor here on the Unplugged program. And Ting is mobile service that's perfect for our audience because it's it's really quite simple. If you just think about how you use your phone a little bit, you can save a ton of money. Now, honestly, 
It's not really all that bad. Uh, one of the things I've done is I've, I gave uh, – we have a nanny for the kids. Mm-hmm. And uh, she has a uh, iPhone on Ting. And I don't, I don't say – I don't go like, Jenny, don't use data. Don't, co- don't make phone calls. Like she just uses it however she wants. This, I, don't, I don't really bother. I, I am the, the weirdo that enjoys hacking the system. I like, I like looking at my bill and going, <laughs> three phones and I've only spent 35 bucks. <laughs> That's crazy. I like that. Because, you know, I know how to use Wi-Fi for phone calls and downloading podcasts. You can and, get the thrill of optimization there. Yeah. yeah that's great. I know. That's, it's like, you know, hey, I won a little bit. Yeah. Like, well, I, I cheated the system. That's right. I do deserve this cheeseburger. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's a good way to think about it. You know, I, I, I do deserve a cheeseburger you do. right now. You sure do. Damn it. Rikai. Yeah, you, yeah, he deserves a cheeseburger too. So here's what's great about Ting is your average monthly bill is like 23 bucks. That's your average device. Cost like six bucks for your line, and then your usage will generally work out to about twenty three bucks. It's amazing. And if you start with our URL linux.ting.com, you get twenty five dollar in service credit. So it'll pay for more than your first month. Now, if you don't have a device, you can go get one with that twenty five dollars, and that's also a great way to go. They have fantastic customer service. They have CDMA and GSM networks to choose from. No contracts, no early termination fee, and they have guess what? A really great control panel. A legit. A lit, as as the as the YouTubers say, they have a lit control panel. Did you know? Did you know that? I did not. Lit, lit, which I thought at first was like you're lit up. Yeah, right. Sure, getting lit. Yeah, or you're getting wasted, getting lit. Yeah, I guess that's another term for mm-hmm. getting lit, right? This is quite the overloaded operator we've got here. But no, now it's legit. Too lit to quit. Legit? Shouldn't it be la? It's la. Ting is la. It really is. I'm like I'm like going on almost like what three years with Ting. I'm that's la. Let me tell you, that's la. That's longer than a lot of relationships. Look at you guys. Also, that's congratulations. La. I know. Me and Ting. You know what? I think it's really Kyra that makes it all work. I think Kyra behind the scenes, she's pushing all the buttons and making it possible. Without Kyra, I, I don't know. If, I don't know what would be going on. I mean, who else? Who else would explain to us how Ting works? We can't do it. We no. need her. Ting keeps rates simple. We don't make you pick a plan. Instead, you just use your phone as you normally would. How much you use determines how much you pay each month. You can have as many devices as you want on one account. That's good, because when you use more, you pay less per minute, message, or megabyte of data. Your usage, plus $6 per active device on your account, plus taxes, is your monthly bill. Simple. That's what we mean when we say... Mobile. That makes sense. Yeah, go check out their lit control panel, too. And then I got an app, too, which is really nice. And uh, SIM cards are like for like nine bucks. Put them in a device, security system, anything like that. I think you know what? I I just got a really interesting idea. I would love to be able to check the battery status of Lady Jupes remotely, and I wonder if like there's a little way I could hook up like an Arduino or a Raspberry Pi, oh, like I'm a little sure you could. Yep. Hmm. I'd even it wouldn't be great if I could SSH into something and get the battery level. Yes. That would be great. That Maybe would... uh, turn the car on remotely? Yeah. Ooh, all right. All right. All right. You know what I can do? Uh, let me try this. I'm not sure if this is the right command. Alexa, ask automatic how much gas I have. Your Ford Super Duty F53 motorhome is 80% full. Your Ram 1500 is 72% full. Isn't that great? Wow. Yeah, we're going to get into that more later. But let's start with our 2017 predictions. Dun, 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 dun. Now, I don't really have, I like, I don't know what it is this year. This year, I, I feel like it's going to be the year of more of the same. 
You know, like, yeah. I, and what do I, what do I get excited about? It's more, more momentum in the right direction. Like, we're gonna have some fights. We're gonna have some. We're gonna have some missteps. But overall, we're gonna do pretty. So good. So maybe that means 2016 was really for all the negative 2016 comments. Maybe it really wasn't a bad year for Linux at all. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know. No, no. Freck Labs is not saying it's 1500 percent full. There's two different motorhomes. Or two different vehicles listed there. One motorhome, one truck. So I, I want to defer to the virtual lug. Maybe they can get us going. Maybe they can get us. Do you have like a quick one off the tip of your tongue? Well, we kind of already talked about it. I was just thinking uh, uh, at the end we'll see Bcash FS. I think, I think by the oh, end of 2017 really? that's, going to be, that's going to be something we will be talking about more. Interesting. I wonder if he just stole Williams. All right. Sweet Lou, what is your – go ahead. You'll get first. Go. Well, I I still hold on to my prediction about Ubuntu and Microsoft merging uh, when Ubuntu reaches uh, the end of the alphabet on right. this coming you know April. What? I'm going to I'm going to keep track of this. I'm I'm going to keep track of this. So Sweet Lou's prediction is uh, really what you're what you're are you really saying that uh, Microsoft buys Canonical? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, either that or merges uh, with them. Yeah, it's going to yeah. be it'd be an acquisition, right? Not happening. All right, all right. So, and then, all right. Hold on, I gotta, yeah, I gotta, I gotta write these down. So that's Microsoft. Not, okay, go ahead. May make a deal with Canonical, or actually, more likely with Suze, to be honest, though, because of the previous deal, um, to have them help them support a Linux kernel. I don't believe they will acquire. So, is company. it like an Ubuntu? It's like an Ubuntu blessed kernel running on Azure. I'm not just that, but also because remember my prediction, we're ever closer to the year of my prediction of uh, Microsoft running with uh, Linux kernel and a Windows desktop environment on top that is proprietary. God, I would love that. Oh. But I just think they're so allergic to the GPL. I think they're they are not, though. They're not. This is the thing that they've been realizing. It's that it's actually useful to have other people maintain your stuff and you will not have or ever have the issue of not having people to hire to fix your stuff. I mean, that's logical. Knows it. That's, that's logical and, and very cognizant. But do you think they've actually made that big of, of a, a change? change. Yeah. Really? Yes. And I believe that because look at the companies that this I, I will. I just can't. Not look at the fact that they've been acquiring talent more with the with the acquisitions of the apps companies and so on. They're not acquiring just the companies. They're acquiring talent that knows how to work in this platform mm. without telling the world that they're doing so. Like if right now, if you want to look at the prospects of any business in IT and you want to know what they're what they're up to, there's two ways. You can ask them and they might say about it, or you can look at what they're hiring because they can't lie about the hiring because otherwise they will not get the right so people. So do you want to go on record and say that you're going to see Microsoft products running on an Ubuntu kernel? Because I – or do you want to actually say Windows? Because I could actually get behind the first one. I don't know if I could get behind Windows in 2017. I'm not sure if it will be in 2017, but until 2018, I'm pretty sure there will be a Linux uh, kernel with a Windows desktop environment. I I I think that was my prediction. It was a five-year span, or three years in, they already have a Linux distribution on the server and Azure and all the stuff. I love Linux now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of hijack your prediction a bit. And I'm going to say in 2017, Microsoft makes a deal with Canonical to run a product on an Ubuntu-blessed kernel. And it might be like the – more like the like the, the slimmed-down Ubuntu stuff, like Ubuntu Core. Right. I could totally see I that. I could see that too. I could actually – like I could see them doing that on the cloud. I could even see them doing that 
in in like a in like a product. I mean, I really could see that happening. But running their core Windows desktop, I've always thought eventually to go in a VM, but I figured it'd be because it'd be replaced with another Microsoft product. Right, and I, it seems like I, I I do see like I could see them doing that on on like a BSD or something. But I feel like they will. There's they're always going to want to withhold that, you know, to be able to have their new proprietary drivers, their new custom kernel integration that lets them have the the one new feature or the HoloLens support or something where they have a competitive edge in the business. And I don't think, I think there are still enough things at the OS level for the desktop world that they wouldn't be willing to share that. On the cloud server angle, yes. I think that's a different ballgame for them. Mm-hmm. I think you're on a certain page. And uh, oh, to be ahead. honest, it won't matter that much Oh. feature of Microsoft and like in general what OS you're running because they're really moving to the assistant world they want to uh, give you Windows 10 for free why because it doesn't matter you know they're they're going to profit on having you talk with with Cortana this is the thing that actually is dragging people still uh to Windows 10 and try and people are excited about the experimentation hmm. you can oh, run Cortana everywhere even in your Android phone so Alexa what do you think of Cortana I like all AIs. Yeah, she's pretty nice. Bias. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, producer Michael, I would love to hear your predictions. You wanted to jump in. Go ahead. Yeah, I was saying, I was one of my predictions is I think Snaps will make a big leap forward oh, ahead really? of everything else. Oh, yeah. So, it's the year of Snaps, huh? Yeah. I think the Snaps are already uh, on the track record of becoming the more standardized uh, d- way of deployment. But I think this year they're going to set themselves apart way farther than Flypacks or App Images could be close to be catching up. Uh, I think that won't happen until like the end of the year, but it, I think it'll happen. And uh, I think 17.10 will probably offer a Unity 8 by default. Oh, Okay, all right. So that's two right there. I'm going to mark you down for it. So 17.10, Unity by default. Unity, you mean, you mean Unity 8 by default? Unity 8. Yeah. yeah, I meant Unity 8. Yeah. yeah. Okay. QT switch and stuff. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, oh, 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 all right, all right. <laughs> all right, Double, you got two predictions for us? Go. I do. All right, first one, NVIDIA finally getting uh, proper KMS support as well as f- the right Wayland support. Okay, I'm down with that. The second is uh, Solus is going to become more popular and will eventually come out with a AUR-type solution similar to Arch where you can, uh, you know, the community can maintain build scripts for separate packages i i could i could see that so it's like it's like a soulless aur equivalent i'm gonna vote for i'm gonna my prediction is that doesn't happen yeah okay yeah here's the thing because soulless is anti aur anti other people's packages yeah i've already tried to make my own packages (laughs) with them and they've already told me yeah 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 so i've done this too with soulless and the thing is if you go to install an application that doesn't support Solus, like you don't have the advantage of a dev or an RPM install. So you go into EO package and you copy a couple make files, you create a script, it starts downloading the source and you go through this rigmarole to get one thing installed. What people are doing is posting those to the wiki. So the wiki is starting to contain more and more of this third party. Oh. And I think as they gain popularity, they're not going to be able to keep up. And so they're going to have the ability for you to actually compile them, but it's not going to be part yeah. of the main repo. Yeah, there's I an- think that this is the possibility of happening, but I don't think it'll be Solus back. No, Solus will not will not yeah. like hmm. endorse it or anything. Wouldn't that be there won't be an S U R. And my my main reason is because I'm an official maintainer of a package for like the official upstream, and they still wouldn't let me control yeah, the package but, in the thing. Yeah, but so. you just named it, dude. 
Yes, you are. Is good. I like that. <laughs> That's You're good, welcome, sir. Yeah, I think they should run with that. I don't know so much about Nvidia getting Wayland support this year. I would say maybe beta support. No, about I don't know. Maybe. Oh, sorry, Wes. I was stepping on your. I was stepping on your pedal, Wes. At the end of the year, maybe you know you, you start seeing the yeah some of the like if you install some of the beta drivers or something. That yes, starts working. exactly. That's what but I it's thinking. not like the default. It's not shipped in the yeah. yeah, and it won't be like the unbelievably great performance that we want or something mm-hmm. yet. But I don't know. But maybe maybe you're right. Double. Maybe maybe they'll. I they should right. It's not. Here's the thing. It's not like they haven't seen it coming. We've been. See- Wayland has got to be the slowest moving train coming at you. I mean, it's like it's there's. If you don't see the Wayland train coming, then yep. you're not looking. <laughs> You are not looking. You've had like what, like four years now of uh, yeah. gradual buildup. Yeah, that's 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 ridiculous. All right, anybody else in there? I want to want to toss into the mix a prediction for Linux in twenty seventeen. Hmm. Really, nobody else has anything else. No, nobody else. It's not going to be the year of the desktop. No, the next desktop. Is, it, is there oh, ever goodness. going to be a year? <laughs> Will there ever I don't be? Think so. <laughs> Yeah, it depends on your perspective. So. If you yeah. talk about Linux in general, Chrome, Chrome OS already kind of did that. Uh, a little birdie tells yeah, me from the that. from the Solus project that there's no way in hell the AUR is happening. <laughs> I'm not gonna. <laughs> there you go. No, no, they say no, no AUR for no SUR, which is too Can we bad. Make wishes too. I do agree that Solus will become even more popular than it has been before. Yeah, yeah. I think so. The too. predictions. Can we make wishes? Oh, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I just I just wish that we have one either either Google Play Store like it something that is just across all OSs. It actually is able to if the app has compatibility with your multiple OSs, install it, please. Yeah, yeah. Uh Rikai it's just a big wish, I know. Rikai says if you're looking for crazy predictions, maybe twenty seventeen will finally be the year KDE cleans up his mess of settings. <gasps> Ouch. Wow. Wow. I don't know. How was, dare you, no. sir? <laughs> But then, how? Where? What will we have that the Windows users will be comfortable with? <laughs> wait, wait, where's the refuge? Yeah, <laughs> I still feel like I don't have like uh, I don't have my like succinct prediction. I feel like I have good commentary on other people's predictions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, go ahead, W. You can jump in again. So uh, I wonder if at the end of 2017 we'll look back at the 2016 MacBook Pro release. And I uh, and basically realize that a lot of developers have switched over to Linux, and uh, the wish and the wonder is going to be what gains we see on the Linux desktop mm. from that. Do you think? Do you think it's possible Apple could hustle and crap out another MacBook in like June that is thirty two gigs of RAM? Do you think that could happen? Like, or are they just like, or do you think they're up there in their Johnny Ive White Towers going? I don't know what the problem is. This is a really powerful machine. It's great. They just need to figure it out. I don't think that's going to happen now that they rely on common people to just get their stuff. I don't think they care anymore to make it really high. Because they're going mass consumer. Yeah. Yeah. I was about to say, I don't think they're worried about, like, what's the problem. I think they're like, there's no problem. Yeah. I wonder how that ties into that their their IBM partnership and stuff because it seems like some enterprises make MacBooks, but it also is right. particularly a pain point. So right. this is just, maybe this is a sphere they exit. And, well, and why are they going to? You go? know, you think you know you think that they they think it, that you think it's a problem, you know, or whatever. A lot of people think it's a problem, but remember, they think different. <laughs> oh boy, I think you know what's weird is my my thoughts around Linux in 2017. Oddly, Microsoft the the name Microsoft keeps popping up. I keep there. It's which feels it's strange. weird. It's weird, and it's. I wonder if it's. I mean, if they continue that trend, that that'll be that'll be noteworthy for sure. And it's. 
I think it's going to be. I, I think I'm going to. I'll wait. I guess I'll wait for lots. But I think I think we're going to be surprised by Microsoft in 2017. Um, and I think I think we're, we've probably all sort of settled on the fact that distributions like Solus and uh, those others are getting more important than ever. Uh, but there's other distributions over 2016 that I think turned it around. And I don't know if that gets enough attention either. And I think OpenSUSE is one of them, to a degree. Uh, I think it turned it around from a distribution. I don't know if it's still. It's not quite. I don't know if it's gotten there yet, but I. I guess it feels like it's not quite yet a distribution that's changing the conversation, that's right. influencing the conversation, quote-unquote, but it's one that's getting a whole new tidal wave of excited users. Like, So they're doing things right as a project that's appealing to a lot of a lot more people than they were, say, right. at the beginning of 2016. And they're kind of on the, that like starting point of the curve where it's like they're doing a lot of cool things. Yeah. They have some good, interesting ideas. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, maybe 2017 will be the year where we see, like, could be. do people flock there? No? We it, don't know. It could be a great year. 2017 might end up being a great year for OpenSUSE. Yeah. The 2015 was when they first announced. They, it was like November 2015 when they started doing this yeah. the whole new thing. Yep. So there's only been a year of this massive change. Mm-hmm. So I think there hasn't been enough time for them to actually, like, kind of developed the curve completely yet yeah and now now i think you're right that 2017 will be a much much more uh open susa friendly unless they screw it up i mean i think they're pretty much they're pretty positioned to do well uh monkeycom you want to jump in with a dot net one all right go for it i I could see dot net becoming uh native dot net support for the desktop oh linux why do you why do you say that i I think microsoft has enough third-party applications that if programmers could use their .NET languages and just port them to Linux, you would see a lot more um, people wouldn't be threatening threatening to move to different applications or different programming languages, which is a big problem for them. So if they could install a .NET application on a Linux desktop, it solves the the migration of .NET programmers away from Visual Studio. I mean, it oh. helps Windows desktop become a reality on Linux. I get it. <laughs> I don't know if it helps Windows Desktop, but I think what it helps is Windows applications, Outlook per se, or or business applications where people want to run them natively. Yeah, um, or third party business developers. Apps. Yeah, yeah, I could, people okay. that write yeah. in .NET, they can now run it in Linux. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Daredevil, they could use that for the uh, dot. They could, they could release the .NET VM bridge from your Linux desktop to the Windows VM. Right. <laughs> That's good ones, guys. So uh, just here's what I got. Here's so uh, Sweetly says that Microsoft will make a deal or buy Canonical. Daredevil says that Microsoft makes a deal to run a product on Ubuntu blessed kernel or maybe even Windows in 2018, which we probably would start hearing about in 2017. Right. I I'm gonna actually mine is I have a similar prediction along the same lines, just a little more a little more less ambitious. Rotten says it's gonna be the year of snaps. They're just basically they're gonna pull ahead mm-hmm. uh, by a pretty good margin. And that 1710 Unity by default. Uh, Mr. Double says that NVIDIA gets Wayland support and Solus will have an SUR equivalent. And MonkeyCom says .NET becomes a mainstream Linux language. I got one last thing to throw in there. Throw it in there, Mr. West. Doesn't make me happy to say, but I feel oh, like, I feel geez, like really? at least uh, <laughs> I think we'll, we're going to be talking about Linux Mint in a less than positive way at least one time this year. You know, interesting. I don't know if that'll be another security breach or just relevance issues. I, I'm not even – it's not that I don't like the project. I just think that that seems like something on the horizon. It feels like there is some direction and momentum that way. And over the holiday break, I was seeing a lot of threads. And I don't know if anybody in the mumble room saw this. I was seeing a lot of threads about potentially Linux Mint was compromised again. Oh, Did you really? see that? No, Did I you didn't. See any of this? 
Anybody, anybody there else? was there was someone asking the question about it, but it in a wasn't few Reddits, really. yeah. Well, what happened was is somebody posted in slash pwned, "Hey, I I just owned Linux oh. Mint again," and then in all the other subreddits, people were asking if it was true. Trying or not. to validate, him, yeah, yeah. So no no word there though. Second time I have seen something like that since the initial break in though, and I hope that prediction is wrong. Honestly, I really do, but we'll see. Yeah. Hmm. I feel well, I mean, as soon as, I, I just want Mint to stop doing the terrible decisions they do. <gasps> oh, <laughs> damn, son. I can give you one example that they should stop right now. Lay it on me, bro. incredibly stupid. Bro, lay it on uh, me. The priority structure that they pro- they make their repo higher oh, yeah. priority than PPAs. Yeah. They need to stop that. If it's FUD, if it's FUD, why is this happening? What kind of FUD is this? And who's behind it? You're telling me that just somebody that- Canonical might be behind it. Come on, I'm come on! I got. Do I have to get my conspiracy <laughs> bacon clip here? It's pretty fast on Reddit, so that maybe that's the part. That because I think the reason particular th- thing, oh, yeah. although the problem that they had was so easily avoidable that mm-hmm. they should have never had the problem in the first place. True, and it meant that anything can happen at this point. Like, who's to say that they realized their problem the first time? And like, because they should have never had that problem. Because they what they claimed was the the hole meant. That they didn't update their their WordPress for three years, that's that's just stupid. Like, that's that's literally painting a target on your back. Exactly. Like, and it's and it's also an easy well, target because there's a plethora of holes for it. Like, but that has got to be the that is, um, yeah. And you know, it is Reddit. Who knows? Yeah. Okay. Well, that part, yeah. I mean, this 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 the current one is totally probably. I mean, I I, I don't know. Could be. Could be but not. It I mean, seems I don't know. to be garbage. Like, probably. just not true at all. I don't like it. It just makes me the whole. So that's a that's a that's that is a thought provoking prediction to end on there, Wes. I, I like that one. You know what else is thought provoking? Getting an education. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Go there. Sign up for a seven day free trial and try out Linux Academy, a platform built by Linux enthusiasts and educators and developers that came together to create the Linux Academy. They wanted to create content that Linux users could consume to learn more, to spread Linux and to help you get a job, get a raise. In fact, a lot of new features they've launched to the platform really enable these goals, like public profiles to show your accomplishments, course schedulers to match a busy workday, mobile apps for iOS and Android so that way you can practice on the go, which is, it would be so awesome, like on the bus or on the train or right. just sitting um, on the toilet. Up your skill game while you're just wasting time otherwise. I had an uncle that would seriously take a two-hour crap. Really, and I, I tell you what, if if I had a Linux Academy on my tablet, you would too. That would be a very productive two hours. LinuxAcademy.com/slash/unplugged. One of the things I think is really great about Linux Academy, it sets them apart from everybody else, is instructor mentoring. Because these topics, they're they're not fixing the sink. They're not something where they could have somebody with a cell phone on call when you have a question like that. Like these are dedicated staff members that have to really understand this. It's, a, it's stuff. a business. They it, they know what they're doing. You know, they've been really good at adding new content and updating old content, too. And that is also something else that sets them apart. Plus, they have these labs, these hands-on scenarios where you get real-world experience. If you just need to get some certs, they got great courseware for that. They have study tools that you can download, comprehensive guides you can look and print out and listen to for audio. You can Seriously, people listen in the shower. I, I, I can't even believe it. Uh, actually, 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 shower thoughts are real, man. That's a real thing. So why not? If I can be that, if I can have brilliant shower thoughts, maybe it is the perfect time to learn. Actually, <laughs> I think about it. It's shower thought time. Yeah, you can check it out. Also, just a just a real quick thing. If you've already subscribed to Linux Academy, you got like just a couple of days left. We were on break, so I couldn't mention this sooner. But if you're listening live or you're downloading like day over the next day, they're giving away a Pixel. What? Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it ends on January 5th. They, they'll do this from time to time. So I, I guess it's just good for you to watch. They have a blog where you can watch these things. You just got to log into your account and help spread the word. They got Well, they got it all on their blog. They just go to their Linux Academy blog and learn. But you got a couple days left to get a Pixel. And Wes, would you recommend it now? How many? What are you like? What two mo- One month? Two months into it? What are yeah, you on that? Like, uh, yeah, probably like two, two, almost three months. Are you probably. loving it? Hating it? Caveat: uh, I'm not a person who my whole life is not on my phone. I mean, I do a lot with my phone. Obviously, yeah. I need it. Uh, it's a great, it's a great phone. If yeah, you just you need like, like a consistent phone, latest Android. That sounds stock, perfect. Yeah, exactly. I. It's perfect for that. Sounds like an iPhone. Yeah, it, it, it's the, exactly the kind of like. I'm not. I don't have a lot of complaints. I don't have a lot of like. I don't need to do anything with it. It just works. How's the camera? Lovely, really? Just, oh yeah, I'm loving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could, I, 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 maybe one day, maybe one day. And you know what? If I could get, if I could get it. If you could get the raffle, yeah, man, totally. LinuxAcademy.com/slash/unplug. Go there, get a seven-day free trial, learn more about the platform. And while you're there, I mean, you'd probably be eligible like a seven-day free trial. I'm just saying. Go right. to yeah, LinuxAcademy.com/slash/unplug. Sign up. Try to get a Google Pixel, and you're off. Boy, if you get it, tweet me at Chris Les. I seriously want to know about that. Yeah. That would oh, be. Oh man, that would, if a JB member can get. Ah, uh. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, are uh, are you ready to uh, are you ready to talk about securing the Internet of Things and smart devices? I mean, I'm I'm quaking in my boots over here yeah. because you said IoT and smart devices well, I know, in the right? same sentence. Can but I, can I put another? But mm-hmm. yes, let's talk about it. Cyber. Ah. Are you, well, okay. How about this for a sentence? You ready for this, Wes? Are you concerned about cyber threats against your smart devices, Internet of Things? Huh? See, I got cyber threats in there, Wes. Isn't that good? I, can I, is there like a thing I can do with my body that just – I'm like 100%, 1,000% yes? <laughs> you know, um, so I, I got to just make a huge disclaimer before we go any further because I got to imagine I probably should have said this way earlier in the show now. Now that I think yeah, about that's it. that's true. A lot of you are listening going, Chris, what the AF are you doing why do you have a privatized spying device in your studio right now, literally listening to every word you say? on the whole show. Yeah. Are you crazy? Are you ridiculous? Are you nuts? Have you lost it? Don't you care about open source and Linux? My God, Chris, what about Mycroft? Before you go down that route, I encourage you to go check out how I use the Amazon Echo Dot to automate my studio. It's a vlog I posted uh, this morning. Just posted a couple of hours ago, and uh, it goes over how we use the Echo Dot in the studio, why we got them, how I've isolated them off on a separate network, and uh, what our intention is behind all of that. So just so you know, that's if you're concerned about that, go watch that episode. It's all covered in there, how we're using it, all of that stuff. It the would be a whole episode to talk about that, so that video is it's in the show notes. Now – I want to talk about the big concern. The big concern everybody listening has is cloud services, cloud monitoring, things like that. Well, it turns out I've done a little digging, and there's some interesting things that those of you who are considering getting a device like this might want to look at. Now, I, I'm not like Mr. Expert on any of these devices yet. I've got three of them at this point for okay, the studio because, wow. you know, the Echo Dot was 40 bucks, And what I decided to do was, well, I should get one for myself to learn with yep. it. So that's upstairs in my office. And then I wanted one in the studio because I – check this out. Now, actually, we have video. So if you're watching the video feed, Alexa, turn on JB1. OK. So everything oh, turns on. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Look at yeah, that. Yeah. Alexa, turn off JB1. OK. 
And we're back. So everything was kind of in, in the studio was sort of in place. Uh, and then I can do things like, uh, Alexa, turn on studio ambient lights. Oh, I didn't say it fast enough. Sorry for those of you at home, by the way. I'll just – I'll get over this and then it'll yep. st- I won't do this. Uh, this just give them another... like two months maybe? No, give me like two more minutes in this episode. And then you just – there's a mute button on there. Alexa, turn on studio ambient lights. Okay. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, isn't that great? Yep. Alexa, oh. turn on studio accent lights. Okay. Alexa, ask for a fart. Just to prove a point. So the studio was kind of out of the box just over the years, ready to be integrated. But we needed – you really kind of need something to centralize the control because this product's made by Hughes. This product's made by Belkin. This product over here is made by TP-Link. They all support some weird subset of the same protocol but or maybe not. Yeah. And I want them all isolated off on their own LAN so that way they're not talking to any of my other devices. They're not monitoring any of my other traffic because I don't trust these things. I don't trust these things at all. And so I wanted them off on their own LAN, but in order to actually access them, you'd have to take your device and put it on that LAN to talk to them. Well, what kind of that stupid idea is that? That is not in a lot of cases. Not only is that a pain in the butt and breaks whatever I'm doing on my device, but it also then exposes that device to the very thing I'm trying to avoid. It's like the stupidest workaround ever. And so this device, this, this Echo, is in that LAN. And so it's my bridge, essentially. So I talk to it, and it talks to them. So that's kind of interesting. But I wanted to make this even better. So I, I'm not here yet, but I've begun looking into two different products that look like they could essentially act as the command and control of the cloud for a device like this. The oh, first nice. is Home Assistant at home-assistant.io. It's, uh, it's a Python app, I think. Uh, yeah, Python 3. Home Assistant is an open-source home automation platform for running on Python 3. Open-source, did you say? Mm-hmm. See where I'm going with this. You see where I'm going with this. And the other one, and this is maybe the one I'm more likely to look into, OpenHAB, OpenHAB. It's a vendor and technology agnostic open-source automation software for your home. And my understanding is uh, 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 the Echo – I'm trying not to say the hot word – the Echo could actually talk to it – over Bluetooth. And, and Open oh. HAB, Open Hab, could run on something as simple as a Raspberry Pi. Right. So it's like... Which so, is even cheaper than the dot. Yeah, right. Exactly. Fully open source, developed in Java. <laughs> yeah. It's got a web UI. It's got Android and iOS apps. And a web, of course, works on the desktop. So that's already built in. It's got notification support, all of these things. Uh, and and I, I've seen some, some indication that there is a way to use, to tie the device into OpenHab, so that way instead of going to the Echo Cloud or the Amazon AWS hosted services, it goes to OpenHab. Oh, wow, really? I'm not sure yet. Yeah, right. but that's what I've begun looking into there. So that's kind of kind of a fascinating uh, path I've gotten. <clears throat> and I really kind of think like one of the reasons I want to wrap my head around it now is they sold a ton of these over oh, the holidays. yes, and I had so many non-tech people in my life asking about them oh, or yeah. if I tried them. I was astounded. Yeah. And uh, I thought I, I thought I understood how this all worked. I thought I kind of had all conceptually figured out until I actually had to set all of this up and create smart groups and do all these things. And it, I have such a deeper it's like understanding AWS of that. Yeah, it is like it is like an entire thing. You really have to learn. Like there's a there's a command structure and all of this stuff. So it's been it's been fascinating. And I do kind of feel like it's it's an interesting thing to know for just the general consumer platform. But man, I can't wait till something like Mycroft comes along. 
And then that's really going to be where it gets interesting. Yes. And that's as a space that we need to have open source stuff. What's that? The API of the Echo is pretty good too. Oh yeah, yeah. You can you can do a lot of like integrations for. No, you can write your own integrations and uh, commands for the Echo to, to do a lot of things that aren't necessarily intended to do. Like they don't have like they have integrations built into a lot of things, but you can pretty much write your own for whatever you want. Hmm. Like it's not really open, but the API itself is very extensive. That's interesting. You know, I so I got a dot for uh, the beard to do some experimental development with too. Ooh. Yeah, and I specifically, I was thinking, hey, maybe we could tie it in with JBot. Wouldn't it be great if I could execute? So we control different things in the studio now with JBot. Wouldn't it be cool if I could get some of those? If I could bark that at the echo? Yeah. How many times at the end of the show you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I want to stop the YouTube stream. You can mm-hmm. just yell at the echo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is, it's been pretty. It's been interesting to just see how many little. Uh, d- scattered devices I had around the studio that were controlled with it. Uh, you know, it's it's a fun experiment so far. But uh, I think OpenHab is probably my path. So this is sort of my call out to the audience. If I got, I, I heard from an individual this morning, which is really awesome, who might be pretty well informed on it. But I also just put the call out there at Chris Elias on Twitter. If you've got something set up and maybe you could give me some advice on how I could compare it with my Echo Dot and. If it's feasible, I'd love to be able to have one here at the studio, an open hab setup, and one maybe like running at the RV too. Oh yeah. And do I even need the dot? Like all the, I have all these mm-hmm. questions. Yeah. I, I don't you know. Don't, you I, don't need the dot for open hab. You can put the software. You can put the software on other devices. Oh, and then get and then like, so I wouldn't get the voice stuff, but I would have like one app that yeah. controls all. Yeah. yeah. You can have it. Like I've actually played with open hab myself, but. I haven't spent like a ton of time on it, but I have d- uh, dug into it a little bit, and it has ability to use on pretty much any device you want, and it just depending on what hardware you give it, like what features it has. Right. So you oh. can you can if you you can't really like replace the dots or the echoes like software, but if you have something that's similar to it and you put OpenHab on it, you mm-hmm. can use it to facilitate most of it. Oh. Wow. But you can also make it where OpenHab and the Echo connect to each other too. That's see that would be great. That sounds interesting because I think, I, I mean, here's where here's where I feel like this is gone. And as as people where we talk about specs and often we think about open source and and community solutions, we sometimes I think we fail to see when the market has decided on something. I wonder if this holiday season, if the Echo didn't tip over to a mass consumer product and it's sort of won. Boy, didn't Google Home try to push hard on the ads though? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, but I don't know that Google actually translates. A lot more expensive too. And can you name a can you name a single Google Direct product that's done well in the mass consumer market? Or any reason to think that Google's good at doing that kind of product? Yeah. <laughs> Whereas, like, like Amazon, at this point, has really got like there are uh, like there there is a there is a lot of there is a lot of different functionality built in the Alexa. Like they have not slowed down from the moment they released it. There is almost stuff daily they're doing on this thing. Like they are very passionate about this thing. It's a huge thing for them. Have you ordered any packages or uh, no. other things with it? No, but that I think is the number one reason why Alex, why the Echo will always. Well, it's hard. Well, I think will it, it is a, it is a it is a core business interest of Amazon to have this thing in your home because they don't have physical stores. They need to have this in your home. This is super important to their business. This is their like easy way to interact with you. Right. For Google, this is another metric. This is another metric collection device. It's important, but it's no more important than your Chromecast or your Android TV 
or your tablet or your Google Docs account right. or your YouTube account, those are actually probably great, especially your Gmail account. It's a much richer, greater source of metrics mm-hmm. than a Google Home will ever be. Because there's I a certain line they just can't cross. They can't – if they could always monitor, if they could listen oh, to every dumb thing you say and every time you masturbate and every time you cook dinner and every time you watch TV, if they could listen to all of that, that would be extremely useful for them. And that would also destroy their business. It would so, fundamentally undermine their business. So I think we're I, – I just don't think it's – I don't think it's as critically important to Microsoft, to Apple, to or to Google as it is to Amazon. I think it's it's fundamental to Amazon. And here I will disagree. I think um, the reason Google does not need to make such a big effort is because they already have the phone. Uh, actually, you can. There is a, a page you can visit in Google and s- listen to all of the recordings of you saying "Okay, Google," and basically see all of you said. All recorded. You can have access to it. So they right. already have that. And the reason and the fact that, but they're uh, not. But you know what I'm saying? Okay, like, Google they're sentence. Listening. They're not always fact, listening. You have to trigger it. Actually, it does. Actually, actually, it does. It well, is always listening to the point that yes. if you go to the recordings page, it includes the part that you said, "Okay, Google." So it meant that it's right. recording all the time. It yeah, is I always. Can, I can set it up where it's not paying attention to me. Like right now, you said it a bunch of times where my phone's right next to my speaker, and it didn't do anything because it's not listening. Well, but in the case of the home, it 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 is, and same with the Echo, it is always listening because there's no other way to hear the command word. Right. Like if I just say the A word. In casual conversation, it triggers her immediately. I don't have to like I don't have to like say it like Captain Picard talking to the computer. Computer. I just if I just say, yeah. you know, Wes, today I tried the Alexa and it's working pretty great. It, it'll it'll just pick it up and start running like crazy. Yep. And the 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 the, the Google yeah. Home is the same way. However, when you have- it's just getting what it does is it just it just has like a quick buffer. It has like a ten second buffer. Listening and discarding. It's, it's, yeah, because honestly, if you think about it. It would be like a constant 800 kilobit stream up if it was uploading everything you always said to the cloud. It would, of course, it doesn't need to always upload, but this is the thing. It, when people saying that you know we're moving to uh, this assistant-oriented world where your device doesn't need to be a massive computing have massive computational power. Just get all of the data from fast connection and basically have a huge battery yeah. and this is just the device. Yeah. And when you include that alongside having self-driving cars, which Google actually is working on, right? I don't feel that that's why they don't need to make a huge effort on it, not because they don't care about it. So today at CES, Amazon announced the Alexa Everywhere strategy. Uh, so they're building – cancel. They're building it into watches, dish, Whirlpool devices. Lenovo uh, is going to do a series of speakers with it built in. Um, and uh, there's probably other devices. I think that goes right back to what you're talking about, where like here are these companies where suddenly the incentive to work with Amazon on this is huge because they want to sell them. They know that right. you, know, you want to get you your get refills. You're like, hey, in the washing machine. Amazon, I get the refill. Amazon gives preferential placement to devices that work with Echo. You've seen it if you go on Amazon nope. ever. You see it. Nope. And so imagine now that one of the biggest, the Walmart of the internet is now going to feature devices that come with Echo built in. And you've got Dish enabling Alexa voice control on its hopper. Cancel. You've got Whirlpool Connect, Whirlpool devices Whirlpool freaking appliances. Imagine now, cancel. Imagine being able to bark at that thing to start the dishwasher or just get an update on how much longer the dishwasher has. Yeah. I feel like also for these companies, Amazon is less risky. So not only do they get 
preferential placement. But when you when you partner up with Apple or when you partner up with Google, you generally get taken to the to the washer. Like it and gener- they have their own agenda. I mean, not that Amazon doesn't, but Amazon agenda you can understand in a, right. in a much clearer. And way. the Amazon one's going to sell you more devices. Yes. So that was sort of I just sort of in a in a long winded way, which was which was much more eloquently stated in my vlog video, explained part of why I got one. Um, and so I feel like right now I'm in the phase of wrap my head around how this damn thing works with all these devices and and figure out like all of the limitations and right. all of the little like boxes you got to check. And then it's like, OK, now that I understand how this consumer product works, how it integrates with these other consumer products, what their risks are. Oh, and if you want to know like the monitoring and capturing we're going to do, also check out that vlog because we're going to be like packet capturing and all that stuff. Um, that once I get my head around that, then it's time to roll out open hab. Then it's time to to, to 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 like really like now it's I've lived that I've walked that walk. Right. What's Here's, the state of the art? And if you if you not, want if you yeah. don't care about the compromises, if you want to build your own secure land, don't want to go out to the net, don't want to worry about all of that stuff. Is it possible at all? Is it ever possible with a device like this? Is it ever going to be possible? Right. Is that so possible? You know, you know what? Just one last thing before we move on. I am shocked at how how quickly my son Dylan, who's uh, almost eight years old, picked up the Echo. Like he's he's up in my he's up in my office right now as we're recording this, and uh, he's just sitting there playing Minecraft, and he just casually barks over to the Echo to t- turn off the fan. Or play a fart sound. Yeah, or definitely that one. Uh, it, 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 there is something for – there's sort of like a – there's like a – it lowers the barrier. Like I had these all these devices before that I had control from my phone that I would trigger that nobody else had access to. And that's not actually a good thing because now now people around me can turn off the lights and stuff like that. That it's, lets you delegate. Mm-hmm. Well, it just lets them get – like when they're up there too, it lets them yeah, get right. control over their environment a little bit. And a controlling device. It is also an, uh, yeah because there's a Simon Says feature and you can just have it. Uh, that's that's where the magic happens. So you can Simon Says of that thing all day long and it'll repeat it back to you. And yeah, there's also you can have it uh, you can have it connect to your phone. So uh, that's particularly handy too. It'll it'll uh, it'll connect like a Bluetooth as a Bluetooth speaker, which is kind of cool. Wow. Anyways, playing around with it, and I would love to hear the audience's thoughts on it. So LinuxActionShow.reddit.com or tweet me at Chris Las. I personally think this this conversation's over. I personally think uh, Echo's running away with it. It's a solid product, and it's one of those products too that people that got it are still excited about it. Um, so I think that's all in all. Barrier entry is great with a dot. Yeah, right. It was forty bucks. I think it's still forty bucks, and uh, <laughs> like that. That's 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 safe experimental levels. Yeah, that's very true. something you can you something can you can easily play with. Yeah, yeah. Uh Oh. I think Dylan's in here trolling us. This is the hmm. problem. I can't find the answer to the question I heard. <laughs> Alexa, Simon says, Dylan, don't interrupt the show. Let's see if she says that. Dylan, don't interrupt the show. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, come over here real quick. Come here real quick. Come, here, come over here and sit on my lap. Uh, you, got, you got a couple of seconds to tell people, uh, Dylan, what's your quick review of the Amazon Echo? Do you like it? Yeah. And what's your favorite thing to ask it? Uh... Alexa, um, ask for farts. That's your favorite thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure what you meant by that question. Jeez, that's too bad. Alexa, we- ask for farts. 
There we go. This is something that Dylan and I were trying earlier. Uh, let me do it, okay? Okay, I'm going to show him. Alexa, what is the largest state in the United States of America? The largest U.S. state in the United States is Alaska. Alexa, how many people live there? The population of Alaska is about 686,000. That contextual awareness is, is yeah. pretty powerful. We've been able to go about three or four deep, I oh, think. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Do you have one more thing you want to add before we go? We're about to wrap up the show. Did you want to say something? All right, get in there. Say it. Say it. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. It's Dylan's last day of winter break, so he's joining me in the studio. Well, that's great. Yeah, it is actually really cool. All right, so that brings us to the end of this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. If you've got any advice or thoughts on securing the crazy wild west of Internet of Things, let me know if you've got any experience with it, too. What are you doing to lock it down? And any open source projects that are helping you make it more secure? linuxactionshow.reddit.com. That's also where you go to submit other project updates you think we should talk Please about. Please do. And we'd love to have you join us live next week. We'll do episode 179 Whoa. on Tuesday. Go to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar to get that converted to your local time zone. And don't forget, jblive.tv is the URL you put in there, where our chat room is, where you get information about our virtual lug and hang out with us. We love having all of that. You can also send us emails at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. And one last reminder, episode 300 of TechSnap, the last Alan and Chris episode, and then the new fresh, bigger and better blood comes in. See you next Tuesday. Thanks for joining us, and have a great week. And Happy New Year! Woo! The Patch Your Shit shirts have relaunched. Oh, yeah. Oh. You know what, Wes? This is what I get. I, this is what I get for not being a salesman. I, if I was a good salesman, I would have thought of this. Yeah, you sure would have. Teespring.com slash Patch Your Shit. Check it out. Spread the word. I guess we should have said hmm. something. I can't find the answer to the question I heard. She doesn't ever find anything for me. Alexa, buy me some shirts. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't do that, Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, jbtitles.com, jbtitles.com. Thank you, Mumble Room. You guys were great. Yeah, great suggestions. And really appreciate you're it. Welcome. We didn't actually appro- hmm. we, we didn't address. I can't one find thing the answer to the question I heard. What? What is that? What did we one address? Very important about the echo. What? Converting free software. Oh, that's true. I didn't understand the question I heard. <laughs> she doesn't understand it. She doesn't understand about uh, free software. No, she doesn't. I kind of felt like the reason why we didn't really address the free software angle of it is because that's kind of a foregone conclusion. Oh yeah, it's totally not ever going to be. Yeah, no, and I think really we got to wait for the Mycroft. Yeah, that's probably true. But Mycroft is still using Google in the back end. Well, no, it uses whatever utility is. You can tell it not to use Google. You could tell it to use Alexa if you want. Well, I meant for the speech recognition. <laughs> Remember that time I hooked Alexa up to the mixer? But it doesn't, yes, it doesn't I do. Have to. They built their own speech recognition as well. Oh. So you, they, I don't think just, so. Just because the, yes, they I do. think they're still using the web a, the web service uh, through Google. Nope. They built their own. Alexa cancels 2017. That's one title. 
Dude, this is not duct tape. This is gaffer's tape. This is what we use in the studio. They're working on uh, it tears really their easy. own infrastructure so that you don't have to use Google and you can use whatever you want. And you Comes can actually self-host their own theirs protocol and their structure. Chris goes IoT. Uh, Chrysler minivans will run Linux. <laughs> Alexa predict cancer. Cancel. Farting in 2017 with Alexa. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's that Ooh, is Alexa good. engage 2017. I like the Alexa prediction cancel. <laughs> Are you guys still recording? Yeah, we're still doing our show. Oh. Yeah. I know. We do these shows forever, huh? Oh, yeah. I told you we'd be done at 3.30, didn't I? Yeah. Jeez, well. You know, it's Wes. He just talks so yep. much. Ah, you just can't get oh, me to like shut up. Simon says the spiders are coming. <laughs> I don't have you hooked up to it. <laughs> Richard Stalmazon. <laughs> That's uh, pretty good pizza, dude. I like it. <laughs> he won't like it. No. But what does he like? Emacs mostly. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what I was gonna say. Uh, don't say the a word. That's pretty good. That's I like that too. Uh, dot the cloud of things. Do, 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 do. Chris has gone full retard. Fair. Uh, big sister is watching you. That's pretty good. Yeah, too. that is pretty good. Big sister, I like that. Um, Dylan unplugged. Boy, the, I feel like this is the hardest year to do predictions ever, and it's not because. I know, I know, I'm a horrible person. <laughs> Aren't uh, we all? Mm-hmm. That's what we've learned in 2017. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Alexa, cancel 2017. 2016 cancel. has proven that anything can happen, so we're just like, well, okay. Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. I don't I know. Do like Big Sister is watching you? I mean, it might not be the best title. Should it just be Big Sister is watching? Ooh, maybe. Alexa, I can't find sister. that skill. To find skills, go to the skills section of the Alexa app. <laughs> oh, they actually got a skill too. Interesting. Sorry, I didn't <laughs> understand the question I heard. <laughs> What's great is shutting him down. You can turn that skill off. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't understand the question I heard. He is determined to get a fart. Yep. Alexa. I mean, we've all been in that position. Ask, ask for farts. <laughs> I found a few matches. Do you mean for a fart? Fart sound jokes or fart detective? Ooh, what's Alexa, that last one? Fart sound jokes. <laughs> I can't find that skill. Alexa. To find skill. What is a fart detective? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't understand. Gotta the control question. your laughter there. <laughs> Hmm. I'm not sure what you meant by what that What is a question. fart detective? Find who dealt it? Is that what it is? I like how calm she is, though. I'm going to start, hmm, I don't know what the answer to that yeah. is. <laughs> not that I should know. There you go. You got it. Yeah, that's the Alexa. Don't you want one now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gave one to Wes? You gave a fart to Wes? Give a dot to Wes. Wes, you should get a dot. I should get a dot. You know, one thing the Google thing has going for it, I will say, is uh, Google uh, Google Home. If they could, if they could connect all of the, if if OK Googs and Google Home and Google Assistant were all connected, yes, that would be powerful. Yeah, Assistant because, is because I then think. you then you have it with you. Yep. Because this thing, you know, the Echo is only it's, it's if you're with it. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, if I could have my home then like do all the assistance stuff. Yeah, that would be nice. So Big Sister is watching is well, now the number one. Th- they just made an Echo Alexa thing for your phone. Well, they do have uh, them for watches. I wonder why they don't make an app. Yeah. Oh, speaking of which, uh, the you know you earlier you asked for what, what was what is a a product that Google made that isn't a failure? Yeah, Chromecast. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I don't know if it's super mass consumer, but it's definitely the the biggest hit they've ever had. The thirty five dollar price point doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. But yeah, that's a good point. But what is the home selling for? Like a hundred or something, or two hundred twenty, one twenty, or one thirty. Oh okay. wow, yeah, yeah. It's already back in stock. It, it was out of stock in our local Best Buy. Uh, it's the same price as the regular Echo, except the uh, Amazon made three versions of the Echo. So, like, they people who don't want to spend the money that would be comparing to the home mm-hmm. can get a cheaper version, yep. Yep. which would be so much. And also, people who are like <laughs> don't want it to constantly listen and get a, get another version, which costs a little more. So, uh, I I think I think that's probably a really good strategy on Amazon's part. But you know what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you. The Google Home did sell out, but the Echo. Everywhere. So yeah. uh, I had uh, I had a couple of days off before Christmas, and I wanted to get them in the studio. And I literally called every store, every store, like everything wow. from from Best Buy to Sears to Bed Bath and Beyond to Kmart and Fred Meyer and Home Depot. Low. I called. I wonder all when of them, this started. And they're all sold out. Because if you they like sold out everywhere five months ago, I mean, yeah, like we talked about it a little bit, but it didn't it didn't feel this hot. Well, Amazon sure pushes it. Like yeah. every box comes with like Echo stuff true, all right? over yeah, it. Yeah. It's all the over stickers, the front page. The stickers, the packaging. And so I think people have been really aware of it. So when it got from when it dropped from like 130 something to 40, 40 bucks, bucks. I that's think a gift. That's a casual yeah. buy it for yourself with no thinking. Sort of like what they did with the Kindle. Yeah, right. Yeah, if it's like $70, you're like, okay, yeah, yeah fine, I want one. Yeah. 